Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, tonight we are going to continue in this um, great uh, series of letters, First and Second Corinthians, and and I know last week we had the privilege of having Mister Know It All, Pastor Brian Gray here, who knows everything about everything. He doesn't know a little bit about everything. He knows everything about everything. Amen. I've never I've never met a guy that smart in my life, huh? Oh, he did. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I want to welcome all of you. And just, just to remind you how we have set up this Corinthian letter teaching is that this is a classroom setting. And uh, so uh, anytime you have a question, try to keep those things pertaining to where we are in the scripture. Um, but, you know, if you just can't help yourself, that's okay. I, I don't mind answering any questions or doing my best to answer your questions as we go along. So if you have a question, raise your hand and, and you will be handed the microphone. Um, from the great Cameron Schaefer, and so that you can be uh, recorded, because we have people listening by podcast and watching on live stream who may have the same question you do, and so we want to help empower everyone to have as much understanding and knowledge on the scriptures as possible, and on whatever subject we may be covering. Is that all right? All right. Well, let's rock and roll. Let's get into this. First Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to Start with verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 9. And uh, Pastor Brian said that he left off with this verse, so we're going to start with this verse again. Remember what Paul is doing at this point. He's comparing godly wisdom with earthly wisdom, right? And he's showing us how useless man's wisdom is in trying to comprehend and understand God or the things of God. And that it, man left to himself, to his own carnal thinking, to his own uh, earthly wisdom, will end up in destruction. It's just the way that may seem right to a man, but the end is destruction. And so we have a wisdom now that he's showing the comparison between godly wisdom and manly wisdom. That man's wisdom, when it hears the gospel... It's the foolishness of that preaching. It's foolishness to them, those that are perishing, the Scripture says, right? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, the salvation. So we understand that in order to go from man's wisdom to God's wisdom, there is this element of faith. And when you believe God, all of a sudden you have been brought into a new understanding, a new revelation. The wisdom of God now has become available to you. What does James say? Let him ask in faith. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally, but let him ask in faith. So faith is the access to the wisdom of God, and it's readily available, and it's free, and it's liberal in its, in its amount to you. Amen. So um, faith gives us, gives, us, gives us access to God's way of thinking. God's understanding. In, that, in, in other words, it gives us access into what truth really is and life. So here it says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So man cannot arrive at this of his own accord. Verse 10. I'm glad that Paul didn't stop at verse 9. Amen. 
But God has revealed them to us through who? His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. It is true that we have never perceived the glorious things of God through our own knowledge. However, that does not mean that we can't walk in the wisdom of God. We can if we allow the Holy Spirit to give us this revelation knowledge. Um, I want you to go to the book of John, chapter 16, for a moment. Um, if you don't have your Bible, you can refer to the screen here tonight. And as I said, if you have questions along the way, feel free to raise your hand and we'll just go right into that, okay? John chapter 16 and verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into how much truth? All, All truth. You see what the Spirit of God comes to bring you? He comes to bring you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but, for, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So not only will he reveal things to you, but he's going to reveal you things that have not yet come. He's there to shine the light on your path so you can know where you're going because he's telling you where you're going. You can know what's coming because the Spirit will tell you what's coming. Amen. Remember when I told you this, so one of, the, one of the, the miraculous moments, supernatural moments in our ministry, and we've had many through the years, but one of the things that just stands out stark to me was having um, a dream, having a dream one night that I was standing at Christ for the Nations with my dad on the stage. Remember me telling you this story? We're looking in the main auditorium called the Institute Building, looking out over the main auditorium, and the seats are all empty, but in the middle of this auditorium is an office. It's not there, but it was there in the dream. And it was all glass walls, so you can see all the way in it and through it. And there's a man and his wife and their son, who looks to be about 19, 20 years old, and the man has a, a cowboy mustache that goes down like this, and he's got his cowboy hat and his whole cowboy attire on and, you know, pressed starch jeans and boots and the whole, the whole bit, and they're in a rush. They're grabbing files and, and bags and stuff, and my dad is telling them, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to get out now. And so they're rushing to try to get out of there, and as they're doing what they're doing, he looks to me and says, that's your new office. So I woke up, I thought, what the heck was that? What does that even mean? And I told it to my wife, and, you know, she was a bit puzzled about it. And we wondered, does this mean there's some kind of different thing, a different shift with Christ for the nations or with the church? What does this mean? Two days later, I get a phone call from my dad. Now, I didn't even tell him this dream. I just kind of pondered on it. But I told my brother-in-law, Derek, about the dream. And we had gone down to Christ for the nations. We're heading back to McKinney from class that day, and my dad calls two days later. And he says, hey... Um, I need to tell you about something. Our friend, Pastor Brandon Mercer in Granbury, is wanting to resign, and he wants Brandon Marshall, who was my associate at the time, to come and pastor that church. I said, well, that's nice. He just wants to take my guy. He, says, he said, I told him that, you know, you have to be involved in that because, you know, you guys are together, and, and that could not happen without your say-so on that. And I said, okay. And um, I thought, oh, that's interesting. He says, so... They, he's ready to resign this church and, and blah, blah, blah. So it gives me a few details about it. So I hang up the phone. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I remember the dream. And the man in the dream looked exactly 
like Brandon Mercer, my friend, who's a cowboy. And, and um, he and his wife, uh, I didn't even know if they had a son. So as soon as I remember the dream, I pick up the phone, I'll call my dad back. I said, Dad, i got to tell you something. I said, two nights ago I had this dream. I'm telling him the dream. And I said, did they have a son? They said, he said, yeah, they have one son. I said, how old is he? He said, oh, 20 years old, something like that. And he said, you better pay attention. I said, yes, sir. See, the Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. And now we have a campus in Granbury. I didn't see that coming, but the Spirit did. Not only that, but we also had a prophetic word from Roxanne a couple of months earlier, right here in this room, confirming that to be true. So there was a prophetic word that was to come and a dream, and the Holy Spirit revealed that before it ever showed up. That's beautiful, isn't it? So he will, he will tell you things to come, and he's going to guide you into all truth so you're not walking through life blindly. Amen. First John chapter 2, let's look at verse, verse 20. Uh, the Apostle John uh, teaches us this. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. <laughs> wow. I wish I knew that to be true. But he's talking about in the anointing, there's revelation. What does Colossians say? That you are complete in Him. Right? You're complete in Christ. You have everything. And we're talking about in the realm of the limitless spirit world. That is a reality for you as a believer. You know all things. He's given you everything. Now look at, look at verse 27 of the same chapter. 1 John 2.20. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Wow, so this anointing that's in you is a ready, available teacher at all times. And, and the, the anointing abides in you. That means it's always there, always available, always available at your calling upon it. Hmm? This is glorious. It's a glorious, glorious, glorious reality that we have through the Spirit. And people on their own are incapable of receiving the wisdom of God as we just read. No eye has seen and no ear has heard. But those who submit themselves to God have access to the wisdom of God through the Spirit. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 now. I'm going to keep moving on. All right. Any questions so far tonight? All right. For what man knows the things of a man except his wife? I think that's what it should say. <laughs> Except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now I want to say something to you tonight, and it, may be, it might challenge some of you. And, and I, want to, I want it to challenge you. I want to challenge your thinking, even challenge your experience. Okay? Christians who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is speaking in other tongues, all right? And we can talk about that a little later on, and I can show you through Scripture how that is clearly defined in Scripture, that it is speaking in other tongues. It cannot be anything other than that, okay? Uh, the baptism of the Spirit can... And, and so they can... Those that have not experienced that can have some revelation knowledge, but I'm here to tell you, my family, that knowledge will be limited, all right? I'm not here to say that I know more than you. I'm just here to say that this baptism of the Spirit has helped me understand more than I ever could on my own. Here's why. One of the greatest evidences that people uh, have 
received uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the tremendous amount of God's wisdom that becomes available to them. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and let's look what the Apostle Paul teaches us about this language of the Spirit, about speaking in other tongues. He says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Okay? That already is an advantage, isn't it? So what he's teaching us about this unknown tongue is that it is another way for us to speak to God. It's another way to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I want as many ways to talk to God as I can. I need every advantage that I can get in this life to be able to communicate to God. And this says, this gift, this, this prayer language is not to men. This is not from me to you. This is to God. For no one understands it. Watch this. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. However, now I don't think it's any accident that later on in this chapter, when Paul's bringing some correction and how tongues and that gift needs to be operated in a church setting, I don't think it's any accident that Paul says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. To know that he had done that so much that he could confidently say, I do this more than any of you, and have the kind of revelation that he had. Those two things have to be directly connected. Okay? He says, who prays in the Spirit, uh, speaks in tongues, speaks what? Mysteries. Let me give you the Greek definition of this word mystery. It's a powerful thought. It means hidden thing, secret, confided only to the initiated and not to ordinary mortals. Wow. A hidden or secret thing, not obvious to the understanding. A hidden purpose or counsel. This is what is happening when one is praying in the Spirit. Whoa. Now, that's beyond us. And so with that kind of declaration, remember how God created us in His image. And that when we speak, our words, when they go out, they gather the matter around them that they are proclaiming. So you speak sickness, you speak death, you speak darkness, guess what? Those kind, that kind of matter begins to collect around that word, therefore forming the world that you are choosing to live in. But when you speak life, health, blessing, hmm, now you're choosing something good. God says, choose life, choose death. What does Proverbs say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Wow. So it's all, I mean, I, I, you would think, you would think that it would say death and life are in the power of God. But it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Which means we have a responsibility to watch our words. Not everything that happens is God's sovereign will. I, 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 I'm telling you, it, I wish I could believe. That's so convenient to believe that. That takes all the weight off of me. But that's just not the truth. God told man to have dominion on the earth, to subdue the earth, to be fruitful and multiply. Hmm? He's given us this authority to act like him in the earth as his image and to create. Our word, the, first, the, the number one reason for words is to create. Secondary is communication. The first purpose we see being used in words was at creation. God said, let there be light. So 
think about this as you're declaring with your physical tongue these mysteries in the Spirit, these wisdom, all of a sudden, you now come into a new knowledge and a revelation that only happens through that language. It's extraordinary. All right, let's continue. Verse 12, just want you to think maybe. All right, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from who? Aren't you grateful for that? That we might, what? Know. Okay, so we have a Spirit from God, and with Him is coming knowledge. Okay? We have Him so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. How are they given to us? Freely given to us by God. So as we back up here in this chapter, it says, now he who searches the, uh, he who, what does it say? <laughs> no one can understand the things of God, but the Spirit of God, right? No, no man understands the things of the man except the Spirit of the man in him, and no one can understand the things of God except the Spirit of God. So check this out. We understand that only the Spirit can understand the things of God, but you've received the Spirit of God that can understand the things of God so that you can understand the things of God. This is awesome. And he is here to reveal that knowledge to us, to reveal to you and I, to show us the things that have been freely given to us by God. What a marvelous, marvelous experience this is. We have received the Spirit of God who knows the things of God that we may know the things of God. Wow. So all this, this religious talk about, well, you don't understand the ways of God. It's past finding. No, 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 that's not true. That's not true. At one time, it, it, a lot, so much of that was so mysterious, but Jesus, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and dwelt among us so that we can understand the things of God. You know, even Philip, think about Philip, Jesus, one of Jesus' disciples. Says, I mean, he gets religious, right? Show us the Father, and it is sufficient. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Man, I've taken the mystery out of it. I'm walking among you. And I'm saying what the Father says, and I'm doing what the Father does. Hallelujah. And if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Look at Paul says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These things we also speak. What things are we also speaking? What are we talking about? What is he saying that we're speaking? We're saying what the Spirit says. We are saying what has been freely given to us. That's why it's so important that we continue to gather together here. Because, my family, when we come together here weekly, twice a week, some of you crazy Christians, Sundays and Wednesdays, you're coming, as it were, to the reading of the will. You go to the reading of the will to find out what's been given to you. Hmm? So we also speak these things so that when you come here, you find out what your inheritance from God looks like and that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and in Him. Amen. Which means they're all yours. It's, the answer is always yes. Concerning His promise, Jesus paid a high price for you to be assured that these promises are rightfully yours. So we need to come and hear about them because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And faith is how you receive these things from God. Isn't this beautiful? 
Hmm? And that means that you have an inheritance right now. When, does the, when is the will enforced? When is the will enforced? When he who wrote it, or she who wrote it, has died. What good would it do you if you came to the reading of a will, you found out, Uncle Smell Fungus had millions of dollars and you were one of the recipients and didn't even know it. And you show up there and he says to you, I bequeath my niece, Heather Joe Holler, I bequeath $13 million. After you die. Well, that's not going to do her any good. I get rich after I die? Well, that, when, when I was growing up, some, a lot of my upbringing was everything gets good in heaven. And right now, we're just pilgrims, <laughs> so foot sore and poorly shod, just trying to make it to the end. <laughs> and up there, everything's great, but down here, oh man, it's hell on earth. And where I am determined to hold out to the end, Jesus is with me, on him I can depend. And we're just hoping to make it, hoping to make it, hoping to make it. When the testator has already died, you don't get the inheritance when you die, you get the inheritance when Jesus died. Hallelujah. And the moment Jesus Christ died, the will came into full force. And now he is seated next to the Heavenly Father, making sure that good things continue to come to you. That you right now can have your inheritance. And in the end, eternal life. Praise God. It's bigger than what we imagine with our own minds. Only faith can give us access to that kind of realm, that kind of thinking. Only faith in God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, verse 14, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's why I continue to tell you that I'm just going to use tongues as an example again. I've been speaking in tongues, it feels like my entire life. And to this day, my mind says, you're crazy. I've been doing this for years and years, and still my natural mind has still gone, what the heck is this? It's never gotten comfortable with it. Because the natural mind can't comprehend the things of the Spirit. And I, it doesn't stop me from praying in the Spirit because Paul said, when I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. When I read that verse, that set me free. Because I'm telling you, I used to get false. I used to feel so guilty about the, my mind wandering while I was praying in tongues. I was always thought, something wrong with me. My mind's just like thinking about whatever to eat and, and all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm trying to be spiritual, praying in the Spirit, and the mind's going nuts. Guess, but but here's, here, that helps you understand. See, as you talk, as I'm talking here, it's impossible for my mind to wander because everything about my, my, my frontal lobe especially is, is involved in me getting this message to you by communicating a form of these words and these sentences. But when I'm praying in the Spirit, this mind has nothing to do with it. That's why this mind starts wondering, because this is not of the mind, it's of the Spirit. So when the Spirit man is praying, the mind starts going, hmm? the natural mind cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. And no matter how, <laughs> come on, I know I'm not alone in this. Uh, your mind wondering why you're praying in the Spirit, so you try to imagine the holiest thing that you can. Close your eyes and start thinking about Jesus on the throne next to God, you know, whatever that looks like. 
to try to get your mind engaged with what's going on in the Spirit. So you don't feel bad. Listen, if your mind starts wondering why you pray in the Spirit, that's when you start rejoicing. Hallelujah! This is not coming from me. This is from the Spirit, man. The Spirit has given me the utterance. Hallelujah. Amen. Hmm. Amen. But you know what I have found? Something that helps me. Maybe this will help you when you want to spend some time praying in the Spirit. Open your Bible and read. It's amazing how you can sit there and read Scripture and pray in the Spirit at the same time and have comprehension of what you're reading and still be uttering these mysteries. Amen. All right, let's continue. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Now, what he's saying, the spiritual person that Paul is speaking of is the opposite of the natural person that he spoke of in verse 14. This is describing people who are not governed by their own natural appetites, the, the, the human powers, but are filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. The English word judge can mean a variety of things, but according to the Strong's Concordance definition of the word judge, it means to scrutinize, to investigate, or to determine something. So Paul's stating that a spiritual person is someone who is operating with the wisdom of God and is therefore qualified then to discern people and situations correctly. You know what I'm talking about. The prophetic gift is something that proves that. If somebody gives a word from God, they speak into your life, something that only you and God know, maybe a personal prayer that you've had and you haven't told anybody, and all of a sudden a prophet comes and says those very words, and you go, whoa, how do they know that? They didn't know that by themselves. They knew that by the Spirit. And so God has helped us to be governed by the Spirit in order to help one another. To build the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ. The purpose of prophecy is not to expose someone's secret sin. It's to encourage, to exhort, and to edify, to, to bring comfort to the body of Christ. Amen. Anything else is wacko. Verse 16, for who has the mind of... Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Did you notice that? Did you see that? We have the mind of Christ. How many of you are Christians here today? Yeah. Hmm? Okay. If you're a Christian, if that's true, or since you're a Christian, then you already have the mind of Christ. Okay. So, but here's the thing. That's the reality spiritually. Hmm. But Ephesians teaches us to put on the mind of Christ. We have it, but we have to put it on. In other words, we need to make ourselves aware that I am a spirit first. I have a soul and I live in this body. So who I am in the spirit has shown me that I have access and complete, I'm complete in Christ and I have access to everything from God. The wisdom of God, understanding, knowledge, insight, everything that I need is found in that realm. So we have to purposely put on the mind of Christ. Romans says it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, and be not, transform, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's talking about this natural mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So 
as a spirit being who has a soul and lives in a body, you have to get your, your physical mind, your, your natural mind, and your physical body in line with that spiritual reality. Huh? So every day, we walk by faith. You are in process right now. So all I'm saying is God who began it is going to finish it, and he's with you every step of the way. That's good to know. You might not be where you want to be today, but you're not where you were. Hmm? And so uh, tomorrow's another reality, and the day after that's another reality in him because he's bringing you into greater things. The more you let the, the Spirit of God govern your life, the, the further away you get from the world and its appetites and its strongholds and those things that try to pull on you and to try to mold you and squeeze you into its way of thinking and way of believing. And you have consecrated yourself to God and separated yourself from that. And this book of Corinthians, really, if you could narrow uh, these two books, actually, if you could narrow it down to one word, it would be sanctification. Period. It is about living the Christian experience, having the supernatural infused into our daily practice of life. Living by the Spirit. Amen. So, it's, it's a walk. The Bible does not say we drive by faith or we fly by faith. We walk by faith. How do you walk? One step in front of the other. All right? So we, through, we imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Jesus said, don't worry about yesterday. Don't even think about tomorrow. You've got enough stuff to deal with today. Take it one day at a time. Hmm? In other words, live in the moment. Live in the now, right now. Are you with me? All right. Any questions? Because we'll keep going for a little more, a little longer. Yes, ma'am. Let's get a microphone. Mr. Cameron. Um, you said that baptism of the Holy Spirit imparts knowledge upon you that it's not available to you without it. Um, Um, okay, there, when it talks about, um, I would, I want you to have the gifts of the tongue, but I'd rather you have prophecy, mm -hmm. um, if you, or even interpretation, mm -hmm. would prophecy and interpretation, if you don't have, um, the gifts of tongues, would those be equivalent to the um, gifts of the Holy Spirit, I mean, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or? Well, the interpretation comes after, it, the reason we need interpretation is because we have a tongue first. Mm -hmm. So that the tongue interpretation go together, and then prophecy is another thing. Prophecy is from God to man. Tongues is from man to God. Because it made it sound like prophecy was separate from tongues that... You could have prophecy without tongues. And well, here's what Paul is saying. Uh, you know what? Let's just turn over there. That's, that's a great question. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I think we'll clear this up. Uh, what, that's, that's a fantastic question. I'm glad you asked that. First Corinthians chapter 14, let's just look at verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. 
For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to who? To men. So we understand. He's helping us understand the purpose of prophecy and the purpose of tongues and the way that they operate, right? Tongues is to God. Prophecy is to man. All right? Verse, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now he's going to help us understand why this is true. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul is helping us understanding when we're gathered together, what good is it going to be if I stand up here and speak to you in tongues? How is that going to help you? He's saying prophecy, the person who prophesies is greater. That, what he means is it's greater in effect. People are going to understand what he's saying. So they're going to get something out of it. If I just stand, in, but he said, unless there's an interpretation. So if there's a tongue and interpretation, it elevates to the same level of effectiveness as the prophecy. So then everybody that's in the room can receive something because the purpose of these gifts is to edify the church. That's the whole reason for them. It's not so that we can say, well, I do this in the spirit and I pray in tongues and I prophesy and put that notch on my belt, and put that badge on my, over my chest and boy, am I a spiritual giant, right? No, he's saying this is all for the edification of the church because if the church isn't receiving edification, then there's no point to that. Then you, you don't understand what it's really about. So he's bringing order into the church setting itself. So Paul's talking about when the believers are gathered, how these things operate. We've got to keep reading. Verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So there are certain melodies, certain songs that... Uh, you know, if you're, how many of you are in the military? You, you know what Reveille is, don't you? Right? I mean, you know, time to get up. Right? And we know taps, one of the prettiest little solos on a, on a, on a trumpet. It's lights out. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right? So there, there's a reason for those. Likewise, you, unless, watch, you utter by the tongue words easy to understand. How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. That's what he's saying. If I'm speaking in tongues to somebody, they're not going to get anything out of it. And if they're speaking in tongues to me, I'm not going to understand. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be. He's taken right back to the purpose. Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? This is so important right here. Because Paul right here makes it makes he brings us to a point of conclusion. All right. I have to make a decision. 
Since I know what I've said is true, since I understand it, I have to make a decision. I have very good friends who are in the ministry or denominational friends, and what they would say at this point, what is the conclusion is, if my mind cannot comprehend it, they're going to tell me, then I'm not doing it. Why would I do something I don't understand? But that's not the conclusion the Apostle Paul came to. The Apostle Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. See, Paul saw the benefit in doing both things. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? So Paul taught us something about what's happening in the Spirit. Apparently, Praying in the Spirit is a prayer of thanksgiving, but who can know it if they don't understand it? And how can they amen your prayer if they're not getting what you're saying? Okay? All right, let's keep moving because there's there, this. You have to read several scriptures here, several verses here to get the whole message of it. Otherwise, okay, verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other's not edified. See, you're missing the whole point, is what he's saying. I think, my God, I speak in tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, so Paul is helping us understand. The setting he's talking about. In the church, when the believers are gathered together, I would rather speak five words with my own understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be based, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. That's an interesting verse of Scripture to me. Because my dear denominational friends say, well, we don't do that because we don't want to scare lost people away. We're an evangelistic church. Wait, 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 wait. Paul said that tongues is a sign not to believers but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers but for those who believe. Therefore, watch this. If the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Watch. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he's convicted by all. Now, wait a second. You, I, I'm just going to say this because I think that probably most everybody in this room made an assumption in these two verses. And this happened. This is, this is one of the greatest errors people make in these two verses. They add two words in their mind. And those words are, at once. And he does not say at once. He doesn't say simultaneously. Are you kidding me? If everybody in the room is prophesying simultaneously, that's going to make sense? All of a sudden, people are going to be convicted if everybody is prophesying at once? So if the prophesying is not about that, neither can the tongues be about that. See, this is what Paul come to bring order to the Corinthian church. Paul wasn't, because if he's speaking against congregational simultaneous uh, tongues speaking, then he's saying that what happened in Acts chapter 2 wasn't legitimate. He's saying what happened in Acts chapter 10 wasn't legitimate. He's saying what happened in Acts chapter 8, chapter 19 wasn't legitimate. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying these people one at a time, think about this, every, can you imagine you stand up, Maddie, and you speak in tongues, and you sit down. And then Faith stand up, and she speaks in tongues, she steps down. And then Tyler stands And everybody in the room takes, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's what Paul is saying. 
But if one by one people are bringing words that make sense, ah, now we're talking. It's a different deal. So Paul's not saying, he's not talking about at once. You have to get that language out of your head. Otherwise, you're going to be deceived reading these verses of Scripture. You cannot make the assumption because that's not what he's saying. Here's how I, I can prove it to you. Is it okay? Let me prove it to you and then we'll be done very soon. Uh, uh, Verse 24, thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now, uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. Let's let's look at verse 27. 26, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation. How, How many of them do? Each of them. He said, how is that? Each of you has this. Let all things be done. Why? For edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at most each in turn. And let one interpret. Paul came and he said, man, you people are crazy about these spiritual gifts because everybody has got a tongue. And he says, there needs to be two or three at most. And then there must be an interpretation so that all can receive edification. All right? Does this help us help bring understanding here then? So then, then, then um, when he's talking about uh, tongues and interpretation and prophecy, here in this chapter, he's talking specifically in amongst the body of believers and its operation there. And tongues with an interpretation is equal to prophecy because everyone can understand that. But if it's just tongue versus prophecy, that ain't going to work. Prophecy is the greater gift in this setting. Does that help? Do you have to have the gift of tongues in order to have the gift of prophecy and interpretation? Uh, Does that come before or are those separate? And I don't, I don't think that you necessarily do. I, I haven't seen too many that do prophesy who don't speak in tongues. I've seen, that'd be pretty rare. Because a lot of times the people who are, well, let me just say, have slipped off the bank and into the river to speak in tongues. I mean, that's just like the wildest gift of all of them, right? I mean, can we just be honest about it? That's, you're speaking in tongues, you're willing to do anything. But speak in tongues, then, then, then they're a lot more open to the operation of the other things. But one of the problems is, is that, that many people teach that those things are passed away. And so they don't know to hunger for those things because they've been duped to believe that those things were gone with the, uh, the first church, the first century church and the apostles. And basically from one verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, it has nothing to do with that. It's not even talking about a dispensation. It's talking about when love has come. When love has come. Love is what perfects us. Um, but they make it about a dispensation that once the word of God was, came into print, then all those things were done away with. I don't even know how they gather that information from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. When that which is perfect is come, well, the Bible's perfect. That's a leap to make that about the Bible. It's a big leap. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's passed, I don't know what I'm doing then. We're still prophesying. We're still speaking in tongues. Maybe we've lost our minds. 
So um, usually it's, that's pretty rare. I'm not saying it's not possible. Anything's possible for anybody who has a desire for the things of the Spirit. So I think that you can prophesy without speaking in tongues. I'm just saying uh, the, it's more than likely that you don't than you do because it just kind of happens in, for those who desire the spiritual gifts. Uh, you see a lot more prophetic uh, practice. It's been my experience anyway. And let me remind everybody here tonight that everybody, every New Testament author spoke in tongues. Think about it. So my, my question is, I, I, I wonder at these things. How do people who are not spirit-filled interpret what spirit-filled people wrote? Properly interpret it. I don't understand. I don't know. Yes. Oh, wait, we need a microphone. About five more minutes and we'll be done. Okay, sorry about this. No, uh, this, don't apologize. Is this on? Can you ring? Okay. Uh, see if I can word this properly. The way I always understood talking in tongues was that it's like you speaking to God. That's that, but I think what he, what, the way I understood it, he was trying to correct the church saying everybody's just babbling out loud. Mm -hmm. Unless there's someone there to actually interpret what you're babbling, you shouldn't be babbling out loud. It should be an utterance under your breath or just like you talking to God. Yeah, if, if you're in a setting like this. Right. And you're by yourself speaking in tongues. That's, that's yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Because, right. like, the church was becoming unruly is kind of how I always kind of visioned it. It's just mm -hmm. people were just wailing and nobody knew what was, anybody was saying. And he's saying, unless somebody's there and actually understands what you're saying to interpret it, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Paul said you'd be speaking into the air. It's useless. Now, my Pentecostal upbringing, if Apostle Paul came in to try to tell us only two or three can interpret, they'd be like, you ain't going to squelch the Holy Ghost. <laughs> right? We're very zealous, but we're very ignorant at the same time. There is the supernatural power of the Spirit, and there is order. Imagine both things in one service to experience the glory and the power of the Spirit of God in order. Because God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. Amen. So Paul came there to bring that to them because he's bringing them around to the real purpose of this. The church must be edified. I've been to several spirit-filled services. Spirit-filled as in it has to be tongues in order for it to be spirit-filled, where I was not edified one bit. I was a bit scared. <laughs> I brought my Church of Christ uncle to church with me one time. And it just happened to be one of the wildest church services I've ever been a part. He said, I am never coming back to this crazy place. I'm like, sorry. We had a lot of experience, but not a lot of understanding. But when you have understanding with it and you have the, you have the order along with the demonstration of the gifts, that's where the body can receive edification. That's where there is comfort. There is peace. Huh? Because I, I, I don't know if some of you are upbringing, I heard stuff like this all the time. I couldn't help it. The Holy Ghost just got a hold of me. You couldn't help it? You mean like you lost your whole will? That's not how he works. That's not, now, you might react physically to it. It might do something to you. I've had that happen to me. But I'm not going to say, <clears throat> I couldn't help myself. The Holy Ghost just got a hold of me just so I could act like an idiot. Amen. <laughs> but if he wants me to act like an idiot, I will. Yes. 
Yes, we need you on that mic, Miss Tammy. Check, check. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my question is, um, so you're saying there's two usages of tongues. Mm -hmm. One is to edify the congregation, and in edification, you need an interpreter. That's exactly right. Correct. For the congregation. For the congregation. That's right. But for the other, yourself, okay. not necessary. And for worship with your, for yourself to God, mm -hmm. it is a different usage of tongues. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. If it's you and God and you're praying in the Spirit or singing in the Spirit, that's a different thing. So that's for worship on your own. Like yeah, it is. It it's is between it you is, and God. It really is worship and, and declaring those secret things that we were talking, not real sure what all things we're saying, you know, because they're, they're the mysteries or the secrets of God that he is allowing through his utterance, through this language given to you. But Paul said there's also giving of thanks in there too, that you give thanks well when you pray in the Spirit. So, but falls under the, yeah, the personal prayer language. So here's the thing. When there's a, a tongue, the interpretation, he said, he who speaks in a tongue does not, not speak to men, but to God. So in order for someone to receive edification so that they can say amen at your giving of thanks, are you giving thanks to men or are you giving thanks to God? To God. So then the interpretation should be like a prayer. Ah, uh, maybe heard that one time. Almost every time when there's a tongue, someone says, thus saith the Lord. They start prophesying. I'm like, well, no, no, that's not the interpretation. If the prayer is to God, why is the interpretation all of a sudden to man? That doesn't make any sense. The interpretation must be to God. I'm not saying what they're saying is inaccurate. I'm just saying it's not the interpretation. It might be a prophecy, but it's not the interpretation to the tongue. Hmm. So the interpretation should be a prayer of thanksgiving.